Welcome to Bon Jovi Discussions. Today I have my buddy from Pittsburgh, uh, Corey. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing good. How are you, Jer? I'm doing good. Good, good. So today we are going to talk about this bad boy right here. This left feels right, which is a hit or a miss in the fan base because uh, some fans love it, such as myself. There's other fans that don't love it as much, but that's okay. Um, some uh, background information, though, before we go. Uh, it was released on November 4th, 2003, and this is quite a bit of a turn the band had did because it's pretty much a greatest hits album, but it's, as John would say, a greatest hits with a twist. And uh, I guess we'll get into that here in a second. It was produced by John and Richie and uh, Patrick Leonard. Uh, and like I just said, you know, it was a new version of Hits. Uh, it was more of a kind of like a s slower album, somber, very soulful. This is one of those albums where I've had like a really long day and I just come home, have a glass of wine and, and put it on. It, it, it's it's relaxing for me. Uh, I know it wasn't a success of an album, but uh, still one. Of, it's in my top five favorite albums. Uh, let's talk about the album cover real quick. Let's, let's hear your thoughts on this album. So I, I, I stand by this, um, and this is probably the most positive thing that I think most fans could agree on. This is probably one of their best album covers of all time. Yeah. Um, it, because if you, if, you, if you just look at this album, and for me anyway, if you look at that suitcase, that's like the coolest thing ever. It has all the band's different logos from over the years, the different fonts and everything. And then you could, and, that, and obviously we know this is not John sitting there, but this could be, you know, John sitting there. Here's the thing people have said, and I don't know what to believe, but the, if I remember, there was an interview that John said that was him on the photo because he I heard said, that too. I, I, and I can still pick, I can't remember what show, and I, I can't find anyone on YouTube, but I remember during the promo days, he did say that that was him on a suitcase saying where he was going with his career. So I don't know if he meant it figuratively or, I mean, but if you look at it, I mean, it looks like John. It, and it very well could be. I've always been under the impression it's not. Yeah. But, but to me, this is like one of those, like Bon Jovi is not, I, I would say they're not known for their iconic album covers. Like right. they're not the Stones or the, you know, the Beatles or, you know, but this is something like, you know, where you see it and like, you're like, okay, the, the logo's cool with the, you know, the arrow and the circle. And it, if, if this wasn't a greatest hits album, you could still see this being an album cover. Exactly. The one thing that I really like, and I think this album has so much meaning behind it, because if you think about it, say, say this was John. You see all the band's different logos from 1984 to 2003. Okay. So this shows where they've been. Okay. Yeah. You see John on a suitcase going somewhere. So it's also showing where they're going, where they've been, where they're going. And reason I say that is because look at the song Last Man Standing. That was, was going to be on this album, but later was put on Box and Have a Nice Day, two different versions. It was all about where music was going. And I think it was Bon Jovi entering a new era of the way the music industry is now, if that makes sense. So 
that might be looking too much in depth with it, but I always kind of interpreted that album cover like that. I mean, I think you're 100% correct. The line in the song is, you know, we all know, or we don't know where it's going, we all know where it's been, you know, from yeah. Last Man Standing. And that, that this could clearly be that. Yeah. Like, you look at this, and if that song was on this album, and let's say this was a brand new album, yeah. Last Man Standing would have been a single, probably, if this was a brand new album and there were no greatest hits. I mean, that would have been, you know, this is where they've been, and now where are we going with it? So. Exactly. Yep, exactly. Let's... uh I guess we could. I want to talk about this gem right here, the DVD, because it is such a good show. And I know that you went to the show, and we're going to talk about that. One of my biggest regrets, you know, I was only, I was 11 years old when this album came out. My dad didn't take me to see the shows, unfortunately. So I, one of the shows I always wish I could have gone to was Wembley 95, and then this show here, The Two Nights. I wish they would have done a tour, you know, but the whole conflict was that I've talked to some general fans, nothing wrong with that. And they're like, oh, yeah, I went to that Atlantic City show in 2003, but it was weird because they played Living on a Prayer and it wasn't Living on a Prayer. I was like, oh, you went and saw that. This Life Feels Right promo show. So I wish, I think this show, I think they could have done like a small tour with this and done like theaters and like a lot of the diehards would have just would gone to it. But I want to ask you, what was it like to actually be there? Um, so I, I, I dug this out this morning. Um, Love it. You can see it. So mm -hmm. I um, and so in 2003, I, I was probably 18 years old, 19 years old, maybe. Um, and I remember I, I remember the album coming out and I, we kind of knew if you were a member of the backstage with John Bon Jovi fan club, you got the magazines and stuff like that. We kind of knew that this album or this these two shows were, were promoting this album like right. they were going to play the album top to bottom um and then when we got there when i got there because i went alone uh to the show my, my dad took me um and and i went alone um inside which was weird in itself because it was in a hotel uh like a casino yeah. um, and i you know um and uh it, it was weird because the people around me were obviously older they were, you know, they had more money than I did because a lot of the people there were, were rich. I mean, it was, it was at Atlantic City in, in a time when Atlantic City was booming. And here I am, some, you know, 19-year-old kid at the show. And, and you could see the people, because I wasn't down front with, like, the diehards. Like, the they had the tables. And those were, like, the fan club people. Like, they knew what was going on. I was kind of, like, in the back. It was kind of, like, on a like a slant, you know. Right. And and people were like, what like, what is going on? You know, because they opened with Love for Sale and people, like, okay yeah i kind of know this song i kind of remember it from new jersey but no. okay they're gonna get into it right then and then i i believe they went into wanted and people were like no did they go what was the second song on that uh, the, the show uh, the was bad name okay and then that was like the typical number two bon jovi song of almost every tour but it was like it was like this like jazz like michael buble style version of bad name and people were like what is going on and then I think they did, you know, Wanted, and then it was like, okay, and you got that intro, which was very similar to the record. Uh, and people were like, okay, and then when, when Living on a Prayer came on, people were like, this is not what we signed up for. Um, now, I was enjoying it because I knew what I signed up for. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, I knew what I was going to see. I was going to see something special. Um, what I didn't know I was getting was, you know, Love for Sale, Misunderstood, Someday I'll Be Saturday Night, the two new songs, and then Blood yeah. on Blood at the end. 
Sylvia's and, back. But I really didn't know in my probably in my top five Bon Jovi covers of all time is Sylvia's mother. And I had never heard that song up until that night. And when I left there, I couldn't get it out of my head. And I had to live with the Dr. Hook version, which is a little bit different. Dr. Hook doesn't have a nice voice like, you know, John did and Richie does. So it was like, oh, this is a weird version until I finally was able to, you know, get, you know, an unofficial copy of the, the, the soundboard that night on eBay like weeks later. And then I just remember playing it over and over and over again on my my iPod. So yeah, but it was it was, a, it was a really weird night. I enjoyed it. I thought it was great. Uh, but I'm kind of like you probably when you go to shows, if, if you go to a Bon Jovi show and they don't play Living on a Prayer, but they play Into the Echo, you probably think it's the greatest thing in the world. Yep. Then you where, get... where the person next to you is like, what is like, why are, what is this? I don't know this. Yep. Or, you know, and that's, yeah. that's, that's, it's really what it is. It's like, you're splitting the fans. Like, yes, you're playing songs that we know, mm -hmm. but those aren't the versions and memories that I have of those songs. And I think that's what John said when he's like, you don't mess with people's memories. Like, and I think that's kind of where it was. People were going thinking, okay, we're going to see Bon Jovi's greatest hits. And yeah. what they got was Bon Jovi's greatest hits, but like a, a lounge act. Right. You know, you know it, it's weird because with every Bon Jovi release, post Slippery, every album was always successful. Yeah. And This Life Feels Right just stands out. And like I said in the beginning, it's either you love it or you hate it, you know? And, you know, like I said, you know, you don't mess with people's memories. It's just... The reason I love it so much is because maybe it's because I'm a post, you know, I became a fan in 2000. And so, the, you know, I made memories to this album. You know, my parents were going through a divorce that year. And so, like, this album was something that made me happy and gave me hope. And, and I just enjoy it. And, I, you know, I, I love hearing – I'm a huge acoustic fan. I love hearing songs being broken down. You know, like, I posted a poll on Twitter the other day about Never Say Goodbye. I wanted to know if people like the electric version more or the acoustic version more. You know, I, I I love hearing songs broken down. And you know, I'm glad you mentioned about like Misunderstood and Saturday Night, Joey. It was it was nice to hear those songs kind of acoustic. I will say that like when they when they do those songs, like like Joey, for instance, like I feel like if you ever had a friend that shows you like they bought something new and you look at it and you're like Oh, well, that's what you bought. Like, like if they, they show, Oh, this is my new car, Jerry. And you you look at it, you're like, Oh, that's, that's really not really a nice car, but Hey, if you like it, you like it. I feel like Joey's one of those songs for John where John really likes that song and thinks yep. it's, it's, it's one of his best written songs and he relates to it. Whereas I think the fans, especially the diehard fans are like, you know, maybe that is not the representation that you, when you say, Hey, Bon Jovi, you don't play someone Joey. You know, like that's kind of yeah. I, 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 I get where John was going with the Elton John kind of feel. Um, and, and with this album in particular, you mentioned Patrick Leonard. We all know John loves certain artists. And like he, he mentions like there's like five or six artists who mentions all the time. Leonard right. Cohen, Tom Petty, Bob Dylan, you know, those like those in, in, in Patrick Leonard has worked with Leonard Cohen a lot. So I think that that's how Patrick Leonard got involved in this somehow like i think john kind of like seeked him out kind of like as a fan and was like hey i want to work with him because he worked with leonard cohen you know yeah. he worked with you know pink floyd in their later days when they were trying experimental stuff you know not the patrick leonard that worked with madonna on true blue or you know like a prayer you know i mean he he's worked with some of john's idols really you know yeah. and i think that's how they got they got hooked up together 
which is a good thing. I mean, you know, we all want to meet our heroes. And if you're in the industry, I think you want to work with your heroes. That's like yeah. your way of, of being like a fanboy or a fangirl. You know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so. One other thing. Oh, Blood on Blood was also on here, too. Every day. That yeah. was good every day. Another thing about this, uh, before we get into the tracks, uh, another thing that I really liked about this DVD was the bonus disc. And they had, like, shows from Hyde Park from the Bounce Tour. So the saving was, grace for that DVD was those shows. They're those 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 clips from Hyde Park. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, because I I thought for sure we were going to get that show as a DVD. Like I thought that that, that Hyde Park show with the ninety three thousand people was going to be a full blown DVD. Um, yes. You know, and then I, I it's just you had to play the slot machines to get those those tracks unless you kind of like just skipped yeah. ahead of that. Yeah. You know, which was weird. You know. Well, you know, back then that was like fun to do. You know, but now you get that as something new. You're like, what the hell is this? Just show me what it is. But um, one thing, that's one thing I want to say about this album or DVD is that I was so happy that they included like every day, misunderstood Joey, you know, because I know it was right after Bounce came out. So those songs were relatively fresh and they were still trying to promote it. But say if John was to release this now instead of 2003. I, I doubt any Bounce songs would have made this album. Bounce songs didn't even make the greatest hits album that came out a few years ago. That's well, true. I mean, five or six years ago. I mean, every album I think is represented on that 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 two disc set, except for Bounce, which I get because in the UK, Bounce was a number one album. I think it was successful over there, maybe went platinum. But here mm-hmm. in the States, Bounce was, I mean, by all accounts, Bounce and This Left Feels Right was kind of a, a disappointment for probably the record label and for the band after Crush. You know, you know, as much as I love Bounce and loves the songs on it, and I do enjoy this album, if you're looking from a marketing standpoint or a, a sales standpoint, it's a disappointment, you know. And then you rebound with Have a Nice Day, you know, with the number one hit of Who Says You Can't Go Home, you know, which kind of kind of like really saved the band and let it keep going, to be honest with you, I think. Because right. at this point, you know, they're, they're two albums in, and I, I believe that This Left Feels Right is the only Bon Jovi album up until probably the newer ones where no one buys physical media anymore that hasn't gone gold in the United States. I don't think it sold 500,000 copies in the States, which is, is crazy to me. Yeah, that's the digital era. And I think once you stamp uh, you know, greatest hits on this record, someone's going to buy it thinking they're getting 12 of the greatest Bon Jovi songs of all time. Yeah. And when they put it in, they're like, well, this isn't what I you know wanted. You know? I have actually had... Uh, friends just that weren't even fans of the band they're like oh yeah I like you know the hits you know and so actually some of my friends have bought this album put it in there go what the f this is wanted and blah 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 I'm like well what's and I, I they text and I, I automatically assume what album they got so, oh you got this that feels right not Crossroads or the ultimate 2011 box and so but. It's always funny to me if you have like Amazon Music or Prime or Apple Music, like when you type in Bon Jovi, like their greatest hits, like for some reason, like something from this album always pops up because people start playing it and yeah. then they realize that it's not what they want to hear. Nope. Like they, they, they just see Wanted Dead or Alive, like, oh, I want to I want to listen to Wanted, but it's not the Wanted they know. It's like the Led Zeppelin Wanted Dead or Alive, yeah. you know, uh, which, you know, it is what it is. So let's uh, actually let's start digging into the album. The first track is "Wanted Dead or Alive," and it was actually the first and technically the only single. "It's My Life" was technically a single too, but it was right here, brother, look at yeah. that. 
I was actually looking at it this morning and I was like, I never turned in this coupon to get two dollars off instantly from my dark side <laughs> batteries. I, was, I know, me too. I was like, I wonder if I can still turn this in, you let's know? See, let's see what it, expi it expired in June 30th, 2004. So we had a you know, well, good six months to get it. Yeah, we missed out. Although I bet you probably could still bring this to CVS and, and get this. You know, probably need to look at the expiration date. Okay. Yeah, well, maybe I, if I ever, if I have to go to CVS to get my vaccine soon, hopefully I can bring this and get a pair of Duracell batteries. You know. <laughs> I, one thing I did like about the single though is that they put the distance live on as a second track on this. Yeah, real quick, I wanted to bring that up too, and and I don't want to drift off too far, but I've always wondered, and this is this is where like I know you're a member of the John Bon Jovi experience. I didn't sign up, but this is something that I wish they would do because we know that that Yokohama show was, was filmed, recorded for professional yeah. release. And we know, and I know this because again, back in the early 2000s, and I'm sure you did too, but like eBay was, if you wanted a, a show, you could go there the day after the show and buy that show on a CD. And it was like the greatest time to be a music fan because people were recording the stuff and you could buy it. I have like a three disc version of that Yokohama show, which, you know, was an audience recording, but it was pretty good and i know the band was sick and they didn't release it i always wonder if that had came out instead of this left goes right what would have happened because to me th that yokohama because some of the stuff that they have put out from it whether it be have a little faith in me uh the distance joey or even heroes from that show yeah. i think it's amazing yeah i agree with you and i don't know if it's just john's too protective because he didn't like the way he felt that night versus you know what it actually sounds like because, you know, I don't like how my voice sounds sometimes, and you probably are the same way, but maybe other people do. Yeah, exactly. The the thing, and John has mentioned it too, and I think the biggest thing is he himself is his biggest critic because he, he's positive about something, but then he'll turn around and say, nah, I don't, I don't want to do this. You know, and, and every artist is like that. Every artist will plan something whether we know it or not, you know, there, I'm sure there's a dozen of ideas that John has had. It's like, oh, let's do this. And then a few days later, he's like, well, let's not do that. You know, so I'm with you. I wish it was released too. Maybe one day, you know, I feel like with 40 years coming up, I think we're going to get something massive and a true box set for the diehards. It's, a, it's amazing I, what the artist thinks is the right thing to do. Like, you know, John's admittedly said that, you know, this left feels right wasn't the right direction to go you know what yeah. i mean you know so at the time it's amazing how he could say okay that show wasn't the right thing to release but to make to steer from an acoustic show to doing a whole album of different songs like yeah. different versions how like where's the connect to that like yeah. how do you point a to point you know z plus because that's really what this was yeah yeah see i, I i'm more of the type of person i was like okay i don't you know, I just go with the flow. Whatever the band releases, I say, okay, I like it. Or well, actually, I haven't really found an album I don't like. But I was, at, like I said, I, I love this album. I know it's a hit or miss. But uh, let's uh, let's dig into the tracks. Yeah. So, Wanna Did Our Life. Uh, I think this is actually the best opener. For, uh, if you listen to all the tracks, this is truly the best opener on that album. You know, I love the guitar. The, ah, ah, you know, or, 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 you know, I love that that sound and then how uh john's vocals are kind of see i'm not in the music and so i don't know how he makes that sound but he has that unique he's kind of like far away from the mic but he's also close kind of sounds sound. like an old record kind of like okay. a 
it's, it sounds like it's coming out like an old speaker or something. Like it's like it's got a weird like echo. I, I know what you're saying and a weird echo to it. Yeah. Yeah. And so I love it. And then I also love in the bridge where he adds uh, instead of, uh, oh, what was it? In the, the chorus, I'm trying to think of what he, he says. Oh, it's, it's the same old me, same old band. I've been everywhere standing tall. I've seen a million faces. I've seen an awful lot of faces. You know, yeah. I love how he kind of changed that up a little bit to be present. So like like I said, you know, like when Wanted Their Life came out, that's when they were starting out. And, you know, with the whole logo thing, where they've been, where they're going, you know. Um, so what what's your take on the song? So I remember, I remember it being, and this is like, again, the early 2000s, before social media, before YouTube, them making a big deal on the Dry County fan boards. If you remember those back in the day, there was a website called Jovi Talk Dry County. And I, it, <laughs> I still get birthday I wins from them every year on my birthday. And I think the site, the site's been shut down for like five years, but. No, I, I think that they're, uh, I thought the same, side note, I, I thought the same too. But I think they came back a couple of years ago. I don't Did follow they? them. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, I haven't been on the site in years, but that used to be like the place to go because Backstage wasn't, that that message board was like fire and ice. That's like, that makes Twitter look like, you know, tame compared to what that used to be like back oh in the day. Oh my gosh. There was a lot of fights on there. I, I mean, I still remember there was a girl named Mary Beth and I, st I, I remember all of this stuff because, I mean, I have like a memory for like just dumb stuff, but... I remember I remember getting ready to go to school. Um, I was a freshman in college, I think, at the time, and they were getting ready to debut it on PLJ. Uh, and Scott Race was the the guy, the big DJ at the time for them, and he did a lot of stuff with Bon Jovi. And they were getting ready to debut, and I was like, I gotta hear, I gotta hear this. But like, there was really no way to hear it because I didn't live in New York City. I live in Pittsburgh, and you could like stream online, but it was like you had to have an account and all that, so I didn't get to hear it right away. Um, but then when I did hear it, I was like. Okay, this is because again, you really didn't have an like you just think, oh, they're Bon Jovi's releasing a new version of you know Wanted Dead or Alive, and you think it's an acoustic version. Then you hear this, and you you kind of hear that like cashmere Led Zeppelin kind of sounding. Like, what is this? And I loved it when I first heard it, you know. And I could see why people get turned off, especially like you said, if they've been a fan of the band since the '80s. But when I first heard it, I thought it was like one of the greatest things I ever heard in my life. Yeah, you know. And now as I, I'm, you know older and i've been around it a little bit longer i could see where people would be upset about it you know um but yeah i i, I enjoyed it let me ask you so mm -hmm. wanted from slipping red album wanted on this life feels right which version do you prefer more those are my only two choices yeah okay um i prefer i prefer the slippery version okay okay i i would pick this life feels right version wow now, they're just working on this album of a song that I would pick over probably their biggest hit of all time. Say that last part again? I said there is a version of a song on this album that I would pick over probably their biggest hit of all time. Well, surprise, because we're going we're gonna to do that each track. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so the, uh, everyone asks me, okay, which version do you like? Because everyone knows how much I love this album. They're like, do you like one in this album or that? And I go, this stuff feels right, just because it has that funkier reinventive sound you know don't get me wrong that the slip and wet version is great you know but I, I i love the hits but it's not something i always go and listen to if i do listen to a hit it's usually live or acoustic or some kind of special version it's very rare i ever listen to it, an actual album hit 
if that makes sense. I still do, but no, I mean, I, I, I totally, I think if you're in the, I don't want to say the, the diehard fandom that we're in here. I think most of the time when I put on Bon Jovi on my iPod, it's a live version of a song that I really enjoy. Like, like you said, like living on a prayer. I don't, I hardly ever listen to the actual album song, but well, like it's on the one night version, like the bonus one with the acoustic or the acapella intro or something like that. I'll listen to that all day. You know, when you do listen to one of the hits, like if you listen to living on a prayer on the slippery album, it reminds you about how amazing they are and why they are as big as they are. You know, like yeah. I said, we're diehard fans, so we're, we're into the deeper stuff. But uh, you, you kind of go back and think, wow, this is pretty cool. And like, this song is actually really good. There's no wonder why this became a number one. But you know, now that we're speaking about Living on Prayer, let's go to the next track, uh, which is Living on Prayer. Obviously, throughout the years, we're, we were used to hearing this acoustic because john would do it live with richie acoustic sometimes it was actually recorded and i might pronounce her name wrong olivia d a boss or something like that mm-hmm. but there's and it, it, there's a russian version that actually has a different singer on it and her her name was like a sal or something like that some russian name it's weird yeah yeah and so but there she recorded it and I think she actually went to John's house to record it, but Universal Music Group and her decided not to put her voice on all the editions, just the Russian edition. So Olivia did the rest of the sta- the editions throughout the world. So, um, but I, I thought their harmonies were good, uh, whether whatever version you would listen to. It was really good. I, I kind of do wish that John would have done this by himself, like with Richie, and just done like a John and Richie type acoustic. Yeah. So uh, two things: if they did do if they did do just the acoustic version, like you're saying, it would kind of be a rehash of Prayer '94. Yeah. So I, I think I kind of see why they went a different way with it, because um, honestly, the Tommy and Gina duet it makes sense. It's a perfect fit. That's a good point. Yeah. I don't know if Olivia was the right choice. And this is where maybe the, you know, the negative side will come out. I don't know if Olivia gets this gig unless she's married to Patrick Leonard at the time. You know, that, that, that was his wife. So see, I never knew that. Yeah. So they were married. Um, Olivia and and you're a little bit younger than I am, but her claim to fame was when she was on the show, the wonder years. Uh, And she was one of the, she was the older sister on the wonder years. And she was married to Patrick Leonard at the time. I think they were married for like three years at the time. And I'm assuming that's how she got the gig. Like Patrick was like, hey, we're doing a duet. And Patrick's like, oh, well, my wife's a singer. She has a like a folk album. I'll check her out. And oh, okay. maybe that's how this kind of got intertwined. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not accusing that. I mean, she's got a good voice. I will give her that. But I just yeah. think that to do a song like that in 2003 – Bon Jovi's Bon Jovi. They could have gotten any artist to do this. Like in 2003, you got to think if they're going to do a duet of this song, who are the females out there that could have done this song? Like Shania Twain was like the biggest star in the world at that time. She's not going to turn down Bon Jovi. She could have done this song. If they're going to go that route, why not go it with somebody that people know? Or the other argument is go with someone that nobody knows. That way, if it doesn't work out, then nobody really cares. You know, exactly. You know, you're right. And I think I didn't realize that she was his wife. So I was yeah. kind of wondering where he found her. So I'm glad I'm glad you mentioned that tonight. 
like he could have done this with anybody. But anyway, one thing that I really like about this song though is uh, the end and how he closed it with like, "Take my hand, I'll take your hand." Yeah, you know, I, I love that. You it's know? a more of a personal touch to the song. You're you're telling a story, really. Obviously, it's a story song, but that's that's more of a you're you're really tying it in with Tommy and Gina yep. at that point. You know, we're past the diner and the in the docks. So it's about it's about the two of them in love. Yep, yeah. exactly. Let's go to the next one, Bad Medicine. Now, this is actually, oh, we got to back up. Which version do you prefer more, Slippery or this I feel right version of Living in Prayer? Prayer 94. Okay. <laughs> to be difficult for you, Jerry. Prayer 94. Ex ex you know what? I already know your answer. It'd be Slippery, wouldn't it? It yeah. would. Be, it, it would yeah, for me. It would be because I think the biggest thing about the slippery version, number one, it, it's it's like one of the biggest rock songs of all time, top five. Anyone would it doesn't say it's a top five rock song of all time. Yeah. When people hear that talk box intro, like they lose their mind no matter where you go. I mean, yeah. you could be at a bar, you could be at Giant Stadium, you could be at a backyard barbecue. When they hear that, people go crazy. Yeah. And they they're ready to scream at the top of their lungs when they hear this version. I think people were like maybe folding their laundry on a Saturday night. You know, yeah. I, I, I saw, so I would have to go slippery if I can't go prayer 94. Okay. See, now I'm with you. I'd pick prayer 94. Then I'd pick slippery. Then I'd pick those that feels right. Yeah. Next one, bad medicine. Now this is actually my favorite hit song by the band. You know, the New Jersey version. I loved what they did with this song, especially with like how Richie played his guitar. You know, I, I can't make the sounds, but it just, you know what I'm talking about. Anybody that's watching this will know. Is like how he really puts on his finger in the video. I don't know yeah, what that's like. Said. A, yeah, it's like a, yeah. yeah. I'm not flipping you off. Yeah. It's been a long um, day. But yeah, it's, I don't know what that does, but whatever it does do, some some musician will probably comment and say, oh, you guys have no idea what we're talking about. But it's whatever that sound is, it's, um, it's cool. Yeah. Because he does it too on Summertime from Lost Highway. Yes. So, and, uh, seat next to you as well uh, but anyway so another thing that really the two things stand out for me the guitar and then john's vocals especially the part where he's uh gonna take more than a shot to get the poison out of me and then uh and then in the second verse i i don't need a needle to be giving me a thrill i don't need no anesthesia nor a nurse to bring a pill you know i love how he it's a different direction from the first two songs because the first two songs you know, are kind of like easy going, but then Bad Madison kind of picks up a little bit and John adds a little more passion in his vocals, a little more, I don't want to say anger. There's no anger there, but kind of like, I'm lost for words right now, but you know what I mean? How he kind of raises his voice in the verses. Yeah, so the it, way it's entirely, it pulls you in. The way I've always viewed this version, and this is, maybe just me being me, I view this as like the dirty version of Bad Medicine. Like if you remember when they did Let's Make It Baby was like a big thing. And then there was like the dirty version where it sounds like there's more like John's voice is like more sexualized or whatever. This sounds like it's kind of like a seductive, like he's like kind of, I, I don't know. I feel like he's like, and obviously this is geared, you know, more towards, you know, females, but like it's like an enticing version of the song. Yeah, like it's more sexualized, like and not in a, like a dirty way, but like kind of like a raunchy, like kind of like a tease, like kind of yeah. like a strip tease, like yep. you know what I mean. And that's what to me it sounds like. And if you watch the the DVD version from that 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 show in Atlantic City, 
I mean, he's got every girl there eating out of the palm of his hands. Like he does for any show, obviously. I was going to say every show. (laughs) But with this, it's like, it was like, it was like, oh, wow. Okay. Like this is more mature. And like, this is like a, okay. I I get where it's like slow and grooving and like, kind of like a, like a dirty, like, yeah, I get it. It, it, It's good. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. And and the chorus is fun to sing along to, you know, just the way that your love is like bad. Yeah. You know, I love that. Just the just the flow of it. You know, it, it's so easy. It's so just easy to listen to. Um, which version do you prefer more, New Jersey or this version? You're you're killing me here because on all of these songs, I would never pick the album version of a song, but I, I'm gonna pick the original. See, I'm I'm with you. I just you can't be. Like, it, it, it's like can you favorite. beat that keyboard at the beginning of Bad Medicine? Like when you hear that, that dun, dun, you know what's coming up. Yeah, and it's so fun. Like that's the one hit I always love seeing live because it's so energetic, and I put it during my workouts, and it pumps me out. I just love it. So my, I was gonna say real quick, my father, um, you know, he's no longer with me, but he was he's older, obviously. He was in his, you know, in his late forties. When and my parents never listened to Bon Jovi. Like my parents stopped listening to music like when they were like young. So all those 80s bands, they just never knew of. Yeah. But my dad, the two songs that hooked him on Bon Jovi were Captain Crash, which I have no idea why, but I, I get it for him. And then was a live version of Bad Medicine. My dad always thought it was the coolest thing. And he probably saw them with me maybe eight or nine times over the years because I would always drag him just because I needed someone to go with, is when John would say, is there a doctor in the house? I don't know why, but my dad just thought that was the funniest thing ever because it's like it's it's, it's a song about medicine and and it's like is there a doctor in the house? And that I think you know that's why I would always pick a live version of that song better. Oh yeah. But, but if I had to, I would pick you know this the studio version. I'm with you. Uh, next one is it's my life. So I remember this is technically a second single, and it was digital. Yep, there it is. Yeah, I actually have mine down. I don't know why, but yeah, it's the same cover. I actually have mine downstairs. I brought up just a handful, um, but um, I really enjoy this song because it's very intimate. You know, especially because this was the song that started it all for me back in two thousand. The regular version, obviously. So this version is is more intimate. It, it pulls you in. You know, and what really stands out for me is that it's a John and David. Types. I love it when it's pretty much just John and David. Mm-hmm. You know, I know there's a little bit of other instruments in it, but mainly it's it's John and David. And it's just, you know, like the chorus, you know, when John sings, it's my life, it's now or never, you know, like you really feel what that, because if you listen to the regular version, it's very anthematic. It's very, put your hands up in the air, sing along, very confident type song. When you hear it acoustic, I think it takes you to a different level. I think it takes you more, I want to say believing in yourself. I know you do that with the regular version, but there's just something about this one that makes you really feel the song. Yeah. You know? Uh, And, and of course, obviously on the DVD, it's an incredible performance. Yeah. What's your take? Um, So you said It's My Life is the reason you became a fan. So... To, real quick to backtrack, I became a fan in 94 because I fell in love with the music video always. Uh, as a young boy, you know, those two girls, Rebecca Gayhart and I think Gina something, like it was like, oh my, these beautiful women in this song that just crushed me, you know. And, yeah. um, and 
I was like, this is great. I love this song. And then Bon Jovi kind of disappeared after 94 in the United States. Like yeah. these days didn't really take off, you know, in the States. I mean, you kind of they were around and I, I saw them and I was around. But, but when I heard It's My Life, I was like, OK, this is a band. And that's when I really got into Crossroads and all that stuff. So it was around the same time. But I knew them before and I'd had their stuff before. But when they came back, it was like a whole new band. Yeah. That said... I prefer the, and I'm, I'm spoiling your question at the end. That's right. I, I prefer this version of It's My Life over the original. Really? Okay. So this would actually be a hard one for me to choose. I Just because I like the anthem to it, and it's the song is what started it all for me as a fan, I probably had to pick the Crush version. Yeah, but, see, I, I, again, the lyrics don't change at all in the song, really. But what does change is my mood when I hear the song. To me, <laughs> this version of It's My Life is kind of, I hate to say it, but for me, it's kind of heartbreaking. It's, I don't yeah, know. I, 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 I kind of like, I don't know. It's like, it, it's his life or when I play it, it's kind of heartbreaking for me. Like yeah. I think of all the things I wish I could have done or done differently or keep doing whatever. And I, I realize that maybe, you know, we're not going to be here forever. You know, it's my life. It's now or never, you know, that's kind of where I, so for me, the one song on this album, that if you ask me, which one are you going to pick over the original? It's definitely this one, and if if I, if I had to, I, I would much rather go to a show and hear this version of "It's My Life" than the original. That's never going to happen, but you know, unless it's a charity show or something. But yeah, I've seen it live acoustic a few, a few times, I believe. I saw it on the cruise, obviously, uh, two years ago, and it was amazing yeah. to see him. You know, he got up and sang it. it, it, it it's great to hear live. You know, and this is one thing. The DVD, sorry to interrupt you, but people were like, what? Like, why? Like, we yeah. thought we were hearing It's My Life, and what is this? Like, yeah, Especially with that being a new at the time, you know, that's, that would only have been a three-year-old hit at the time, so that would still be a relevant, huge hit still. Yeah. And so people were like, what the fuck is this? Yeah. Uh, let's go to the next one. Lay Your Hands On Me. One of the things I really love about this song is the chorus, the hearing the band and the background vocals, you know, and then the way John comes, it's like the band is like, lay your hands on me. Lay, and then like John's like louder, he overpowers it. And then you go, lay your, you know. It's got a swing to it. Yeah, I, I love that. Um, another thing that stands out to me too is the way Richie plays the 12 string. I believe this is the one he plays 12 string on. Yeah. I believe so. Maybe. Anyway, it, it sounds good. Uh, what, what is your take on it? I like the intro, the little dun, 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 dun. Like, oh, yeah. I like that. Um, this is one of those ones where I'm like, I don't, the intro to the original is so iconic to me, especially live. Yeah. I mean, you can't get past that to me. Yeah. Um, especially, like I said, live when him and David, David and Tico are battling with the keyboards and the, the uh, like, yep. it, to me, it's like the coolest thing ever. And I'm, that's one of the big, they stopped doing lay your hands on me live for years and then when they brought it back now it's like they don't do the drum intro and it's kind of like why you know yeah. it's like you know what i mean like you wouldn't do it's my life without the talk box i mean unless it's broken for some reason which i've seen nights where it has been broken but yeah. it's like you wouldn't do it uh you wouldn't do wanted without that acoustic intro but this it's like you drop the most like the most famous part of the song sometimes yeah. live but with this it's like i missed those drums I like this version, but I miss it. Yeah, the thing is, I can see why they didn't put the drums in because 
Tico's barely, unfortunately, Tico's barely, I mean, he does have the precaution. You can hear him here and there. But I, I think if you were to do something to resemble that, I think it would pull away from the feel, the vibe of the whole album and the song. So I can see why they took it out. Yeah. I'm going to go on a limb here and say that the, the New Jersey version is your favorite over this one. Yeah. Okay. Me too. I'm with you. I, I, I enjoyed this version, but... But I, it has I, to be the Jersey one with the intro. Don't give me the radio edit where they just no, go straight no. up. I wish the, the album version had more of like the video version where it's more of John talking. You know, it's like... Oh, yeah. You know, great, yeah. yeah, I wish there was more of that. But I yeah, it has yeah, to be the Jersey version. Uh, next one is You Give Love a Bad Name. This one is similar to bad medicine i think it's, it's very seductive teasing uh for women i think it's very fun to you know like like you get that groove you know uh and you do hear more of tico on precaution i think on this song i think this is like when you really start hearing tico on the album and um one other thing i love about this song too is that small build up before he gets into the chorus okay yeah. What what what's your take on it? You, this is the, it's the one say. song in the album where I I can't stand it, and here's oh. why. I <laughs> I think of I, I I think of think of like your your favorite rock star, right? And then they go to a song, like like Rod Stewart for a while. Like Rod Stewart was like the the height of his rock star powers, and he's singing like lounge songs. Like this was like to me was like totally like I get what they were going with. Like it's like. Bon Jovi in Vegas or whatever, and like you're, you know, there's like 50 people watching you. People are snapping their fingers. I get it, but I, I, I can't, I can't, I can't jive with this one. Yeah, see, like, uh, I just can't. See, what saved me for this song? This is one of my least favorites on the album, but I still enjoy it. But what saved me, like I said, was that pre-chorus. You know, like when he goes, "Oh, you're a loaded gun. There's yeah. no light around. There's no one going." And then it starts to, and you hear Tico going, and then boom, you're into the chorus. So that's what say, that's what pulls me into the song. Yeah. Now I will say the the DVD version is 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 a hundred times to me better than the CD version, obviously. Because yeah. with the fan interaction, you can get people involved more, obviously, because it is a fan interactive song to begin with. Yeah. But uh, when you're just, I mean, for me anyway, just driving in a car or whatever, I I, I probably would never put that version on. Yeah. You know? Even that. at the time, yeah. I probably wouldn't have. Uh, let's go to the next one. I, the next one is like one of my absolute favorites on this album, Bed of Roses. And it's amazing. I, I love hearing David play it on piano, like in the beginning. You know, like obviously with the regular version, you know, you have um, Richie on guitar doing the intro. But what I love about this is it was, it was just David, and it kind of had a spotlight on David. You know, and it just it's so easy going, and uh, and I love the way when it gets into the song, JVJ and David kind of come together and play it, and uh, the chorus. I, I think it's so fun to sing along to, you know, if you're like, if you're in a car and you're driving and you're listening, you just, you can't help but sing along to it. This version has a lot of passion in it, I believe. Not as much passion as the, the original, obviously, but I think this is one of those songs on this album when they were recording. I think John wanted to make sure, like I said, I think John wanted to make sure that, that, that he added the passion that he did when he recorded back in 92. So what is your take? 
so this version to me, and I've heard this version probably besides the night I, I saw it at Atlantic City, I, I probably heard it maybe three or four times after that live because they were doing it during the Have a Nice Day tour a lot. Yeah. Um, you know, and and I, I I'm almost positive they did it at Giant Stadium. I know they did all, always at Giant Stadium the, the, that that year when they had those three yeah. nights there. Um, I think they did always the night that it was pouring down rain the first night, if I remember correctly. Um, but um, this, I, I, I enjoy it. I don't, I, 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 I get where it's, it's coming from. To me, this is kind of like, it's a, it's a more somber feel to it. Like it's, yep. it's more of a, kind of like the hangover version of Better Roses, really. Like yeah. you know, like it's, it's mellow. Um, there's no screaming really, or not screaming, but you know power behind it. it's more like low-key um yeah. and I, I i do enjoy this version and i i enjoy the piano part at the beginning yeah uh, you know versus the guitar i prefer the guitar but i do enjoy the piano part yeah so i'm gonna go on a limb and say keep the faith version your your favorite over this one yes i'm with you but it would be very, very so if you're to do a poll keep the faith version would be at 51 this i feel would be at 49 it's just keep the faith version is just, just a little more of my favorite than the the Seth feels right version. I will say, give or take, live, I would, I it wouldn't matter to me which yeah. one's like. And, and you know what's uh, if you go on YouTube and you search this video, it, it'll ask the question: Is John crying? Because I, I think he was sweating, but it looks like he was crying, but he wasn't. It yeah. was, so that that was a joke back. In 2003, on I remember like the the talk boards, the forums on the fan club. We would ask, was was he crying or, you know? And obviously he wasn't, but I remember a lot of people would be asking about that. Yeah. Uh, next one is every day. Now, like we said before, with if John was to put this album out now instead of back in 2003, I don't think every day or any of the songs on Bounce would have made this album. No chance. But with it being Bounce coming out a year before this album uh, came out. That's why I got put on. Uh, I do like uh, John's vocals to it. I, I like the slow and how easy listening is. It's just it's a very uh, relaxing. I like the the keys in the background that didn't. You know I can't I can't do the sound. Uh, but what I I think my favorite takeaway from the, the song is though is right after the first chorus it picks up and Tigo becomes heavier on the percussion. So it's not as easy listening, but it still is in a way. But it, yeah. it pulls you in. Uh, yeah. What's your... I, I like the intro where John's like, you know, and uh, was the kind of... Like, I like that part. Um, you know, it, 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 it's more storytelling than the original, if you ask me. Yeah, I agree. Um, you know, it, you, you kind of can understand what he's saying. And this is probably... In all the reviews I've read and over the years and fans, I've I've always heard people say they prefer this version than the actual bounce version. No, um, I have to pick bounce version. Yeah, I mean, and, and for me, you know, the bounce version is so weird to me because it's such a short song. It's not even three minutes long, I don't think. Mm -hmm. You know, and it like you would you would think that there'd be like a longer guitar solo or something in it. And I know there's like a tech, there's like a rock version of it where it has like a little bit of an intro difference. It's like a, yeah. like a drum intro, and there's a kind of yeah. like a, but it's it's not it's not what it's my life was, and I think they were kind of trying to build off of that. Um, so if I had if I had to choose right now which one I was going to listen to, I would probably choose the this left for those right version. I've been waiting for this whole album for you to say this left for right version. Well, I did on it's my life. 
Yeah, that's that's true. And and I want it. I did want it. Uh, next one is "Born to Be My Baby." What I really like about this one is the country twang sound to it, and you really have to pull that off in order to make it work. And they made it work with this song. And I think that Richie also did that finger device on on the guitar with this song too. Yeah, we gotta figure out what that is <laughs> at some point. Know, it's, it's gonna bug me all night. It'll come to me when I'm like half asleep tonight. Right? That's but and then I think uh, John's verses were pretty emotional too. Like in the you know like when he sings "Our Love, Our Lives," there's passion in that. And I think that's what makes the song so great. Yeah, I like the chorus a lot here, where it's like kind of like I'm not gonna sing, but it's like you were born. To, like I like that that kind of like movement that it, it was. Um, you know, is a is a is a fan of the original. I missed the you know the two, three, four. You know the yeah. countdown. Uh, yeah. you know, but I, I, I can see where people would enjoy this version. It's, it's definitely mellow. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I give them that. Yeah, the one thing I like too is that I'm a terrible singer, but is that da 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 Yeah. I, I love that. Um, so that's my take of the song. Uh, New Jersey version or this left feels right version? New Jersey. This left feels right. Oh. New Jersey, I get, but it, it's it's just like Ben Roses. It's close. Can we just say that "Born to Be My Baby" for some? It's, this is not to get off track here, but this is one of those songs where I don't know how this song has survived as long as it has in the set list. "Born to Be My Baby." Yes, because it it was not included on Crossroads, which is astonishing to me because it was one of their biggest hits at the time. But it, if you think about it, it has not disappeared from a set list since it came out. No, I mean, besides living on a prayer and, and you know, wanted and you bad name, and even it's my life. This has been a constant in yeah. every tour, even the these days tours, it was a constant, yeah. You know, and I, I, I can't understand it because it was a huge hit, I get it, but they've had other huge hits that have just totally disappeared, yeah. And That's... this one has remained and, and not disappeared. I mean, John must really like this song, and which you know, it's about Dorothea, probably, so I get it. Yeah, uh, you know, but it's 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 really it says something about the song. Yeah, I enjoy seeing it live. You know, it, it, if I was asked if I want to take it out of the set list, I'd say no because I enjoy I enjoy the two, three, four, and then the na 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 na. I think it's one of those songs for me that if you ask somebody, oh hey, do you like Bon Jovi? They say, oh yeah, I like Bon Jovi. Then they would name like maybe three or four songs. This wouldn't be one of those ones. But then when they heard it, they would say, oh yeah, I like that one too. I know that one. Yeah. You know, it's, it's not as prominent as the big hits, but it, it was a big hit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, next one is Keep the Faith. Uh, it's a slower song. One thing I do like about this one is the band's backing vocals and the chorus. Uh, honestly, though, it's probably one of my... I I like it, but it's one of my least favorites on this album. It's, we agree, Jerry. We yeah. agree. I can't so, do it. Yeah, so I guess we could both agree that Keep the Faith version was more of our uh, favorite. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the, the 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 intro to keep their faith, that guitar, the the maracas or whatever that John was playing. I mean, to me, and 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 John's vocals on the original, I mean, are just, you know, people talk about the greatest rock singers of all time. For a period, there was not many people that could touch John Bon Jovi vocally, from you know, early '80s to you know '96, '97. I mean, his voice was top notch. Yeah. You know? And it's yep. still, it is what it is, but I mean, it was up there with your Robert Plants and your Steven Tyler's and all that. I mean, 
and that, those screams on Keep the Faith, the, the original version, are just mind-boggling. Exactly. Let's go to the next one. I'll be there for you. Uh, this is, I'm kind of, I, I love it acoustic. Live, if you ever watch it on a runway trip, I think back in 2015 or 16, John does it acoustic. Best acoustic version I've ever seen. I wish that was kind of like on this. I always thought the verses were amazing. It had a lot of emotion and and just passion into it. But the chorus kind of lacked. Like, you know, the verse would build you up. And then the chorus, you know, as John says, don't bore us, get to the chorus. The chorus would kind of take away that. You know, because, uh, you know, like in the second verse, you know, when he sings about, you know, when you get drunk, I'll be the word, the Valentine line. You know, there's a lot of, you you feel it. You feel that song in you. But then you get to the chorus and it's kind of, it's too somber. It's, I'll be there for you. These are, you know, and it's like, I wish there was more of a punch to it. You know, other than that, I think it's great. The verses, I think John and Richie's harmonies are amazing, which they're on. Yeah. They are in most songs. But I get I get what you're saying when they're when they're singing like, you know, the baby, my hands are dirty and all that. John's high. Richie's low. Like yeah. it, it works. And then when they get to the chorus, it's kind of like they just did what they did on the original song. It's like yeah. they kind of like mashed them together. Where it's exactly. like that that tempo was like, you know, like you just said, I'll be there. It's like they were talking yeah. their way through the chorus. Um, it, I, I what I do enjoy about this versus the other ones is if when you. I would say it's my life, to, or not it's my life, but sorry, wanted. You when you first hear that those chord, the, those chords in wanted, you know it's wanted, dead or alive. Yep. When you hear the the guitar intro to "I'll Be There for You" here, you know it's "I'll Be There for You." Da, 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 you know what I mean? Like, it's a yeah. little different, but you can tell that it's "I'll Be There for You." Yeah, yeah. You know this I mean? one probably resembles the most to the original version. Yeah. The, the intro. Um, obviously, I think we both can agree the New Jersey version we prefer more. Yes. Yeah. One thing I do want to add though is like this was when John was starting to stop doing the scream after the bridge. Because I think the bounce tour, I think he did do it on the Have a Nice Day tour, but this is when he was starting to go in and out and doing it this night but not doing it that night. Obviously, you're not going to do the scream, you know, right before the final chorus. Obviously, you're not going to do it on this album. It just wouldn't have worked. So I kind of like how they did that. The dun, 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 and then all of a sudden it goes into the chorus. And don't forget the Have a Nice Day tour. I mean, you probably, I mean, you know this, obviously, you're a huge yeah. fan. Like, Richie started doing the song a lot, too. Yeah. Like, that became, like, Richie's, like, they ditched Stranger with yep. this town, which I missed, again, as a diehard, but I see why, they, you know, Richie yeah. gets to shine and nobody sticks around for that song because no one knows it, really, except for us, which, you know, so Richie says, oh, okay, I'll do, I'll be there for you, and then, you know, people stick around. So in 2005, 2006, it became, like, that, that was Richie's moment. Yeah, yeah, exactly, and that's that's when the scream kind of yeah faded away a little bit. Um, and I don't know about you, but like I always think of like McCartney and Lennon. Like, what what songs were more McCartney versus Lennon? You know what I mean? Yeah, I always wonder, and obviously we're never going to get an answer to this because they probably both have different versions of it, especially now with everything that's going on. What songs were more John? Which ones were more Richie? Because if I if I think about it in my mind, I'm like. Okay, Richie really seems to enjoy this song. Yeah. Maybe yeah. he wrote more of it and John kind of just filled in where I think, you know, maybe John wrote more of this. You know, I, I'm not saying that. But I'm just guessing. Yeah. Because if you're Richie, why would you choose I'll Be There For You unless that's one that you really had a big hand in writing? Like, you could choose right. any Bon Jovi song. Like, like Homebound Train. 
Richie was going through a breakup, and that's how I'll be there for you to start it. So I think yeah. Richie did have a big hand with that one. Um, yeah. But yeah, I've always wanted the same thing. Uh, uh, last track is Always. Uh, I absolutely love this version, and I know you and I both know as well as a lot of other diehard fans, is that you are lucky if you get Always in the set list that night because it, it's a tough one to sing, and John will only do it if he's feeling it. What I have always said, as much I love always live, and I I always vote for the original scene it live. But if in the future John says, you know, I can't sing that song anymore, okay, sing this version then. This life is right because it it's amazing. Jerry, if I could give you a standing ovation right now, I would because that if you if if anyone out there sees me and they say, oh, I've seen his tweets on Twitter, I have been arguing this point for probably the past four or five years. Yeah. Like, listen, Bon Jovi's my favorite band. John has had some vocal issues recently. We're all getting older. I get it. But you, this version of Always, if you told me, okay, we're not going to play Always anymore, I would be disappointed. But if you played this version with a lower key yeah. and that motion, I think everybody would understand. Yeah. Bed of Roses, because Bed of Roses is not an easy song to sing either. Um, even. And we didn't. Maybe we'll touch on this afterwards. I hope. But even Blaze of Glory, they haven't done it in years. But if you do that version from 2005, I had never heard a crowd that loud at Madison Square Garden when I heard John Bon Jovi on that podium in the middle of this, the arena doing that. I call it the "This Left Feels Right" version of Blaze of Glory. Yeah, I, I know exactly. That, that that like, I mean, to me, that intro by Tico with those tongs or whatever he's using with the little marshmallows on it. Yeah. Like, it, I mean, it's amazing. Yep. And, I'm with you. and, and people don't even know that it's not the real version because people are so into that perform. I mean, I, I love it, but with yeah. this version of always, like, I wish he would do it more. Yeah. You know, I don't need to see the, I love the version at Wembley from the, this house is uh, not for sale tour that they put up yeah. on YouTube officially. And I, I, I know why I love it because this was the song that got me into Bon Jovi. Okay. Yes, the, the the very attractive women in the video was what caught my eye. But yeah. then the song and then the band version, I that's what got me into it. Um, I just love the song, and I love the lyrics that are behind the song. So if I don't need the the drums and all that anymore, I just want to hear John sing it. Yeah. And this was my this in these days was like my white whale of concert songs. I mean, I can't tell you how many shows I went to, and I never got always. I never got these days. And then when I finally did get them, I was like, this was like what it was all about. You yeah. Know? Yep. And, 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 I, and I've seen this version live now, I think three times. I saw it for the, the DVD filming. And then I saw it at, at Giant Stadium. He was out on the little ramp during the Have a Nice Day. And I believe it was it was raining that night. I think it was the first night. Um, and it was like a rain out. And they ended the show early because of lightning. Uh, and he did this, this, this version. And people were singing yep. it just like it was you know what I mean? Like, and I think with a song like this, this isn't a song like "It's My Life" or "Wanted," where people are going to be disappointed. They're just going to be happy to hear that song. Yeah, and always was their number one smash hit. It was even bigger than "Living on a Prayer" as far as being a number one single goes. Yeah, I mean, but huge. Yeah, I think it, it was a great way to close this album, though. I yeah. really, I think they hit it perfectly with the flow of this album. And always was a great end. And um, one last thing, we're going to wrap up here. One last thing I wanted to mention about this album was how Thief of Hearts and Last Man Standing was supposed to be on this album. And obviously, 
uh, Thief of Hearts only made it to the box set, which was, you know, good. And Last Man Standing. Um, I remember when this DVD came out, it was right before the box set was coming out. And I love this version so much. And so I was excited to see it on the box set. But I thought that was going to be the end there. Then I remember uh, in interviews, John would say, nope, we're putting it on the next album. It's going to sound different. Uh, me personally, I love the box set version more than I love the Have a Nice Day version of Last Man Standing. Which, which one would you prefer more before we wrap up? Real quick, Thief of Hearts, I like the song, but I believe John was really in a Tom Petty mood at that point. And it sounds That's, a lot, you know what I mean? Like, I, you know, because yeah. you can tell you can when definitely you know, sense Tom Petty from that. Yeah, yeah. I won't back down. Uh, Last Man Standing, you're 100% correct. And anyone that disagrees is 100% wrong. The <laughs> version is is the true version of what that song should have been. Yeah. Not exactly. only are there lyric changes, and I believe there's lyric changes because maybe John didn't want to put those out there. Like, there's a clear line where he kind of like takes a rip at J Lo and that type of music. Yeah. And, and I, no disrespect, but that the pop music, that's how John felt at the time. Yeah. You know, and and it it was it is what it is. And, and then, that's where you know and that's why I said I think that's where the album cover really influenced was Last Man Standing. So it would have been kind of unique to have that version on this album, but I'd be okay with it on the Have a Nice Day album. But thankfully, we still got the the Life Feels Right version of it. And in the DVD, and this is where is a is a huge fan of the band. I, I this is sometimes where I don't I see it more now with John now that he's older and he's comfortable with who he was and the the band's legacy. Right. Back then, I never understood why they didn't get the respect and they didn't like garner the respect that they they deserved. Like John mentions in the DVD, like this is for the Tom Petty's, the Elton's, the Bob Dylan's, and then he goes and the Bon Jovi's. Bon Jovi belongs in that conversation. Okay, exactly. this is not you know a hair band. This is not you know some '80s band that's not out there. I mean. Bon Jovi is one of the most successful American rock bands of all time. Yep. It's okay. been about 40 years. Yeah. You don't listen to their new album because you don't listen to music anymore or whether you just listen to the old stuff. They're still a viable touring act. Um, you know, they're still, you know, Bon Jovi. Um, and I think John's more comfortable saying that now than he was then, which is why I think he wrote that song. I think it was easier for him to put it in lyrics than just to come out and say, hey, we're Bon Jovi. You know, we've, yeah. we've sold 100 million records at that point, around there. It was very close at that point. I think it was like 95 million. Yeah. It was, it was, you know, uh, right before the box set. So, I mean, they they they, they deserve that respect. And I think Last Man Standing was saying, hey, if you're not going to give us that respect, this is, you know, we are one of the Last Man Standings. And John knew that the music industry was changing because even with their promo, this was like one of the very first albums where their promo was different. Like, I remember It's My Life and Wanted being on the band's official website. That's the first time you got to hear it before, even before the single. And then obviously they did the same thing with Have a Nice Day, that they released uh, Have a Nice Day and Last Man Standing digitally um, before the album came out. But uh, that's for another discussion. Um, I want to thank you for coming on today. Yeah. Um, it was great to chat. I've been dying to chat about this album for weeks now, and I'm glad that uh, I found something that I could really uh, chat with. I hope um, I didn't disappoint. I've watched some of the other ones. Oh. And there's Perfect. a lot more to dig into when you have an actual album that is brand new yeah. versus a rehash. Yeah, you know? and this is kind of different because it pulled away from all the other albums that I've been doing. So it was kind of interesting to talk about the hits, but with a but different hits with a twist, I guess. 
But but uh, I want to thank you again for coming it's on. It's one of my favorite photos of the band. I actually have this poster in my basement. Um, yes, like I a, love it too. Yeah, yeah the, the I, photography I, was really. I'm glad you brought that up because I forgot to bring it up at the beginning. I love the photography in this album. I do too. And oh, and the, and 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 I, we didn't mention this, but like if you have, I don't know what version you have in front of you, but the bonus DVD on the Japanese version with the AOL sessions, yeah, like. That's that's to me what this album was originally intended to be. I have that. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like those, like yeah, exactly those acoustic. Like I think that's what it was originally intended to be, and then it kind of drifted off into something else. Which I'm glad it did. Right. You know, because like you said, maybe they will release it one day, the Yokohama show or whatever. Um, you know, and I I think if you came into the band around the same time as we did, um, even though I was you know 94, but I kind of like drifted away a little bit it's an enjoyable time to look back on because sure. I do remember this stuff. I remember the video for wanted 2003. I think that's what they were calling yeah. it. Um, and yeah. I, I think it, it gets a lot, a lot of, you know, hate, but it, some of it warranted, but then others it's like, as, as a fan, I think you just have to look back and enjoy, you know, like we were talking before this, you know, we were talking about how an album or a song would take you to a time and a place. Like I said, I was, when my parents were getting divorced, this album was coming out. So this album kind of helped me get through that. And so every time I listen to this album, I think of myself as an 11-year-old kid just burying myself in this. Yeah. So, you know, but yeah, I want to thank you for coming on. It was good talking with you. I hope you're staying safe. And you know, now that we know that we both only live two hours apart, we're definitely going to have to meet up soon. And talk All right. To you. All right. Thanks, buddy. All right. Take care. All right. Bye.